Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 42 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.30, I'm replaying my two-segment chat with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. And a mere seconds, Sammy P. joins me to break down the best action for Week 18 in the NFL and the College Football Playoff Championship game on Monday night. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Sam Paniatovich is a guy who is effectively known in these parts as Sammy P. He is the lead handicapper for Nesson in Boston, contributes to FoxSports.com, hosts the Chicken Dinner Podcast, can be found on Twitter at SP Shoot, and joins this show usually for a couple of segments on Fridays during football season to break down the best action for you DGENs. And the NFL and college football, only one more college football game to go, but plenty of NFL action to talk about. Sam, thank you as always for the time. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Unfortunately, Trey, though, only uh, three bets for you. I, I know that that might sound like a little bit, but it's just, man, it, it's tough. When, when I have to tell people what to bet and I don't have many bets, people get upset. But, I, I mean, I guess the question I ask to you, would you rather give me three that I really like or – or six that I kind of like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's that old conversation we have to have in this business. Well, I think this is a great general rule of thumb. You are not obligated to make any number of bets on a given week. If you feel good about one game, make one bet. If you feel good about four, five, or six plus games, make that many bets. And traditionally, the last week in the NFL season, it gets really weird because you have teams that are trying to lose, for better draft picks, you have teams whose stars are maybe taking the game off to get them ready for the playoffs, and then you have teams who need to win worse than another team that they're playing against who also needs to win for playoff positioning. So I completely understand your rationale here, and importantly, uh, you uh, do have a, a tiny bit on the national championship game on Monday night too, and we'll certainly get to that as well. The perfect example is this game in Pittsburgh and Baltimore game is at Baltimore and let's just assume everybody was playing and this game mattered to both teams. Let's just start there and then we'll work backwards. If the Steelers are at the Ravens and everybody's healthy, this game to me is almost 13 Ravens are almost a 13 point favorite. Now maybe that's a little high. So let's, let's just call it 10. So the Ravens are a 10 point favorite at home. Well, Trey this weekend, Pittsburgh is a three point favorite at Baltimore. (laughs) so I I know Lamar's not going to play and I you know the the narrative is that well Baltimore's not going to play anybody and I I don't buy that I mean you're going to see maybe their six or seven best players not suit up but you've got hungry backups you've got guys playing for contracts you also have a Baltimore offense that doesn't really I want to say this the right way it doesn't schematically change from Jackson to Huntley. Now, Jackson's the MVP of the league, but you're not going from Joe Flacco to or Lamar Jackson to Joe Flacco. You know, your your offense doesn't stylistically change. So I, I just I can't explain almost a 14 point move off of my true numbers. And I know people are going to look at Pittsburgh and go, "Wow, that's a cheap price. They're only minus three. They should not be favored in Baltimore." No, I'm not betting the game because I I I, I don't think that Baltimore has the incentive to win. But if you think that Pittsburgh is a layup, again, this line has technically already moved about 13 points from where it really should be. So 
there's no edge in that game either way. And philosophically speaking, too, by the way, looking ahead a couple of weeks, obviously Baltimore is going to have a first-round bye. You'd better be careful about sitting too many of these guys for what will essentially be a three-week layoff between games. That could lead to some rust that becomes very difficult to knock off if you're talking about a team that just won a game in the wild card round the week before. We've seen one seeds who sit guys for too long in that final week suffer an upset in what is the second round of the playoffs as a result of that. Uh, hello, it happened to Baltimore in 2019. Yep. They went 14-2 and two that year. They had the bye, and guess who got upset by the Titans in the divisional round at home? The Baltimore Ravens. So, if you think that this team doesn't understand what it takes to win, uh, you are mistaken. And also, there's this narrative that, well, if Baltimore loses, then maybe Buffalo's out, and Baltimore doesn't want to see Buffalo. The teams don't think like that. No. If anything, you think the Ravens want the Steelers, a division rival, to come into Baltimore and win? Hell no. Very well said there. All right, we're going to get to your, uh, to your money picks this week before we get to some other games, starting with... The New New York Jets, excuse me, New York Jets and New England Patriots. You're not betting on who's going to win this game one way or the other, but you do like the under 30 and a half. Is that just simply a matter of both these offenses stinking throughout the course of 2023? I did laugh as I texted you, just so you know. So you laugh when you intro it. I laugh when I texted it to you. <laughs> it's, the, it's the under, though. Um, there's a lot of factors here. You have, first of all, you have two backup quarterbacks that can't throw. You have Bailey Zappi and Trevor Simeon. Those two names don't exactly ooze offensive confidence, in me at least. And, and you, you add different things to the stoop. They can't throw the ball down the field. You have 20-mile-per-hour wins in the forecast. Mm. And, oh, by the way, Trey, there's a potential for a nor'easter. I know nobody in Texas knows what that is. That is a heavy winter storm with up, upwards of 12 inches of snow. So all of that together, you have – the perfect recipe for just a rock fight, like a 16-10 final. Now, here's the other thing. Let's say we avoid the heavy snow out here in the Boston area. You still have the wind, which, as we've talked about for years now, is way more important. The wind's not going anywhere. The snow might, might go somewhere. But you're going to see this on Sunday. All the network cameras are going to be pointing their shots at all these stadiums like Philly and Boston and, and New Jersey, and people are going to go, wow, that's a lot of snow. Uh, under. <laughs> this is, it's how the brain works. So I'm okay with going under a low number now, 30 and a half. If, if the blizzard actually hits here, the total is going to go three points lower. So I'm willing to get ahead of that. And uh, even if it doesn't happen, I like it under 30 and a half because you have two awful quarterbacks and a whole lot of wind in the forecast. The other NFL game that you're putting some action on this weekend I'm going to admit this is a bit of a head-scratcher for me. It's the Panthers as four-and-a-half-point dogs facing the Tampa Bay Bucks, who need to win to clinch the division. Why do you like the Panthers in this scenario? So I know it's not going to be popular, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Let's go back a month when Tampa Bay is playing at home against Carolina. Same teams, only this game is in Tampa. Tampa's a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite. So now we get to Week 18 – the same two teams are playing in Charlotte and the line is four and a half. So you are being taxed to death on Tampa Bay. And I understand that the Bucks have to win. The Bucks know that though. So they're making you pay that premium. 
And yes, the Bucks have played better down the stretch. But Trey, they're still a 500 team. Mm. I mean, you know, you know how difficult it is for a 500 team to, to go on the road and essentially win by a touchdown? It's not easy, especially when you have the pressure that could burst the pipes. Panthers have two wins. Panthers still have something to play for here. And, and here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize. Carolina's not playing for a number one overall pick. They traded that pick to Chicago. Yep. So, like, they're not trying to lose. Guys are out there playing for jobs. I think this is a, a situation where you have a team with two wins that plays with nothing to lose. And sometimes teams like that in the final week of a season are better bets than the teams that have to win because pressure does burst pipes, buddy. And we saw this go from five and a half to five to four and a half. The Sharps are on Carolina. The public's all over Tampa because Tampa must win. Well, here's why Tampa must win, because they must have messed up along the way. And that's why they're eight and eight. And to continue this conversation on the other side of the commercial break, before we do hit that break, I need to let you know about my friend Ike. He is a Domino's franchisee, owns locations in Lago Vista, Burnett, Treviso, and Lampasas. He wants me to let you know that there are some great things happening at Domino's right now, namely their new pepperoni stuffed cheesy bread. It is now on the menu across the Domino's locations in Central Texas. It is the perfect mouth-watering side for movie nights, Longhorn games, or when you're just craving melty cheese and pepperoni, try that Domino's new pepperoni stuffed cheesy bread. The next time you place an order, your taste buds will thank you. And Domino's is easy to order through your browser or their great app. Coming up, I continue my conversation with Sam Paniotovich talking week 18 in the NFL. And we will get to that national championship game on Monday night as well. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back for one more segment with Sam Paniotovich, a.k.a. Sammy P. Joins me every Friday to break down the weekend in football. Sam, let's take a look now at the Bears and Packers. I think the Bears are looking to make a point in Green Bay on Sunday. The Bears are three-point dogs right now, but look, I know most years Chicago doesn't have much of a chance of going in Lambeau and winning this game, but I feel good about their chances of uh, being wrong team favorite when it's all said and done. You're talking about Chicago-Green Bay? Yeah, Chicago-Green Bay. Yeah, I, you know, and it's, that's another game, too, where not to go back to what we just talked about with Fields, but how much tougher does the conversation get in that front office if the Bears go into Lambeau? and knock off their biggest rival to kick them out of the playoffs. You know, how much tougher does it get for Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, to go, yeah, I don't want this kid anymore. Because Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever, Michael Penix, like, it's going to take these kids time to, to figure out their swagger and their confidence and get their bodies right. I, I thought when they traded for Sweat, they were, they were trying to accelerate this retool, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, look, the Bears are super live. Um, I like the under in the game at 45, but it, it's not one that I really have uh, have put any money down on yet. I'm not laying three with the Packers, that's for sure. I, I would take Bears before I'd lay Packers. I think the game that may have the most intrigue this weekend, although you can make the argument for Bills-Dolphins too, is the Saturday night game. The Texans and the Colts, winner I believe is in the playoffs, and the team that wins also has a chance to win the division if Jacksonville ends up losing on Sunday, the Texans are actually one and a half point favorites right now. The over under is 47 and a half. What do you like in this game? If anything at all, obviously we know you're not putting any action on this game, but uh, just in terms of your sports prognostications, what do you think ends up happening here? 
So, I mean, you give the slight edge to the Colts because they're at home, but, but really Houston does two things extremely well. Stop the run. They're number two in the NFL in terms of rush DVOA, which is like overall rushing stats. They're very good against the run. And Indianapolis, when, when the Colts can't run, they're in trouble. So if the Texans control the line of scrimmage on defense, they're going to be in this game and probably win this game. The, the other thing is that Houston can throw the deep ball. And obviously we have to, to pay close attention to the Texas injury report and, and see who's going to go. I mean, there are some receivers that have been often on that list for the last handful of weeks or so. Um, you know, it looks like by, by all accounts right now, you're going to have most of those guys good to go uh, that have been banged up. So th- this is a Texans team that, that if they can do those two things, one, control the line on defense, and B, throw the deep ball, the Texans could easily win this game. But, you know, it is a coin flip. It's a, it's a one-point spread. Texans a one-point favorite. Um, kind of lean over, two at 47.5. It'll be a great game. I'm going to watch it. Probably won't bet it, though. Cowboys just need to beat the Commanders on Sunday afternoon to win the NFC East. They are 13-point favorites on the road, despite the fact that they haven't been great on the road this year. This is a Washington team that may be – sitting a bunch of guys because they're trying to secure the number two overall pick in next year's draft. And we're likely about to see the end of the Ron Rivera era in DC as well. Any chance the Cowboys lose this game? There's a chance. I mean, there's always a chance, but let's, let's give you the math on it. The Dallas Cowboys on the money line are minus a thousand at the Superbook in Vegas. So you got to lay a thousand to win a hundred. That's how substantial they are in terms of being favorites. I think your point about, you know, Washington kind of just giving up is valid. And then you also have a, a Cowboy team. Is there any reason to keep CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott and those guys out there in the second half? I just – I know that there's there's a world where, you know, Dallas gets a, a better seed um, – or not a better seed, but like, you know, Dallas Dallas has the two right now. Like they're, they're probably going to be up in this first half. And then if they're up 17 to nothing – you really need your starters out there? I, I just don't know. I guess that all concludes me to, to believe that there's some value in the under, 47 at a couple books, open 49. I mean, r- really, like, what's the final score here? 20 to 3, 23 to 10. Mm. You know, I just I, I feel like most of the scores, more times than not, are going to lead you under 47. Dallas clearly has something to play for, but but Dallas has bigger fish to fry. And if they go up on the commanders, the commanders are going to just – they're going to wave the white flag, and, and they won't even move the ball. They'll just punt, 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 and go home. Final game of Week 18 in the NFL is Bills-Dolphins. There is some implications here. AFC East title, and the Bills just flat out making the playoffs. Buffalo is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. I'd be inclined to go over there, but uh, is there something that you think is uh, worth considering in this game one way or the other? I mean, this is a big number for Miami to catch at home. Now, when I say big number, it's not like in terms of like numbers, it's not big at two and a half. But I can't recall Miami being like this price all season at home. You know, like this is this is a very, I guess, eyebrow raising number when we look at, at Miami being a home dog. I mean, they you know, for, for context, they were like a one point dog against Dallas two weeks ago. Now they're catching three at home. I mean, this is the, the biggest dog they've been at home all season. But Miami just hasn't looked good down the stretch. I mean, they've lost 
you know, they lost last week 56 to 19 in a game that was essentially for the number one seed. And I just, I wonder with the loss of Jalen Waddle, he's not going to play. They've got some injuries on the O-line. Bradley Chubb blew his knee out at the end of last week. My concern with Miami is that they're just not healthy. And, you know, we talked about this off the top. The overtax is real. I think Buffalo at Miami should be like minus one, minus one and a half. But the market's got three because the Bills have more to play for. The Bills need to win to be in. The Bills are playing for a potential AFC East. This is just this is a game that honestly, man, I could see go either way. I, I hate to cop out all hour on your show, but we're all half hour. I just I, I don't have an edge in this one. I, I lean I actually lean under forty eight, but there are there are better bets on the board for sure. And finally, Michigan and Washington play for the national championship on the college football side of things on Monday night. Washington is a four and a half point dog right now. The over under is 56 and a half. You're actually taking Michigan on the money line, which of course is a little bit less than taking Michigan to, uh, I'm sorry, it's a little bit more. No, it's a little bit less than taking Michigan with that four and a half. Uh, why do you like the money line, but not for Michigan to cover that four and a half necessarily? Yeah. So this is the third bet I made. Uh, first one was Patriots jets under 30 and a half Panthers plus four and a half. And then look, I mean, you, you can, you can talk about it if you want after I'm done. I mean, we've, we've just crushed it in December on the show, you know, with, with free bets that have been making money. Um, so I want to take some of that profit and just put Michigan in the winner's circle. You know, I could lay four and a half at minus one ten, but, but really like I, I made this game six Trey. Like I think Michigan should have been a six point favorite, Mm. but you have two things working against Michigan. Number one, the Washington money line is the most public bet going into Monday. Everybody who's anybody is going in and going, well, I like Michael Penix on the money line. And it's like, okay, I get it. And number two, there's future liability on the Huskies. I mean, the Huskies were 25 to one a month ago to win the title. So the books have to distort the true price. So when you make a team that should be a six-point favorite, a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite, the money line comes down substantially. Like this money line should probably be minus 250. So I can lay 190 right now and just win the game. So if Michigan's up 11 late and Penix takes them down the field for a backdoor touchdown and Michigan wins by four, people that are laying four and a half are going to rip their TV off the wall and throw it out the window. <laughs> but but that's uh, – what if Michigan's up five and Harbaugh's got the ball at the two and takes a safety at the end just to alleviate the pressure, like, and they win by three? Too many weird things happen with Michigan. They just need to win. And – I, I know that, you know, a lot of people are salty in your neck of the woods about Washington. I don't think this kid's going to play a game for the ages again. I, I thought he was solid last week, 430 yards, but Michigan is going to bring the pressure. And Michigan held Alabama under 300 yards of offense for the first time all season. Defense tends to win games like this, and Michigan has an SEC defensive line. They have the best defense top to bottom to me in the country. And I, you know, I could lay four and a half, but in a championship game, I'm willing to pay the extra tax and lay minus 190 to win a hundred. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's what I did. Michigan just win and everybody will be happy.
People need to heed your advice. You're the man. You are Sam Paniatovich, a.k.a. Sammy P., the lead handicapper at Nesson in Boston, contributor to FoxSports.com, host of the Chicken Dinner Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter at SP Shoot and hear him on this show every Friday during football season, breaking down the best action available for that weekend. Sam, thank you as always for the time. We'll talk to you next Friday on the eve of the NFL playoff wildcard weekend. Oh, boy. Hey, make sure all your listeners have Peacock ready. I'm hearing the uh, one of those playoff games is going to be on Peacock, so be prepared, will you? Yeah, I'm holding my nose already. All right, thanks, Sam. <laughs> all right, before we hit the commercial break, I need to let you know about my friend Brian Hummel. The website is hummelrealtor.com. Are you searching for your dream home in Austin? Maybe you're curious about how much your home is worth. Look no further than Brian Hummel, your trusted Austin realtor with Realty One Group Prosper. Brian is more than just a realtor. He's a full service expert overseeing your entire transaction from start to finish. He'll lead you through each step of the buying or selling process, the questions answered and details explained in plain English. With over two decades in Austin, Brian has witnessed the dynamic growth and evolution of the Central Texas market making him your invaluable resource for buying, selling, and investing. As a certified real estate negotiator, Brian brings a strategic and skillful approach to bargaining. He secures the best deals, whether it's getting the highest price for a seller or the most favorable terms for a buyer. Plus, Brian's vast network of quality referral partners from mortgage brokers to home inspectors, appraisers, and more will ensure a smooth real estate transaction experience. It's been a weird 12 months in Central Texas where we've actually seen a tiny downturn in the housing market. Guess what? That's about to change. Right now is the best time to get a home on the market, which means it's a great time for you as a buyer or seller. That's why you need to contact Brian today at 512-619-1347 at 619-1347 or go to his website, HummelRealtor.com. That's H-U-M-M-E-L Realtor.com. Brian Hummel, Realty One, the one you need. Coming up, a two-segment conversation with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Marlon Wayans is a longtime actor and stand-up comedian. The stand-up thing has not been going on as long as the acting thing, but man, he has gotten really good at it in short amount of time. You can find out for yourself by going to see Marlon at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday as well. Go to CapCityComedy.com right now. Tickets will sell out all weekend. Marlon, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Sorry I'm catching me at breakfast, but man got to eat. That's all right. Uh, you're in North Carolina right now. Is that correct? I'm in North Carolina in Raleigh performing. I think I'm funny. I did well last night. It's not surprising. I checked out your latest special, God Loves Me, last night, and you just keep cranking them out, man. People may be surprised by this, but you haven't been at this uh, as long as some, but you clearly have a uh, really good control over what you're doing on stage. It is performative. It's funny. It's introspective. You hit all sides. It's philosophical as well. Uh, you feel pretty think, good about where you're at as a stand-up right now? I think people don't understand uh, like the, the history of me. is like I've been an actor, a writer, a producer and a, a a a star for a long time, and so when I chose to do stand up, it was just it was like everything kind of came together, and now I'm able to do 
all those things and do character. I've done sketch and I put it all into one show. And that's what makes me uh, different than everybody else. Because a lot of times on stage, what people are trying to do is they're trying to learn to act, right? Artists, comedians on stage are trying to learn to act. They're learning to, to produce. That's why it takes them like 25, 30 years to really get great at it. But I've hit all these other disciplines. And so for me, it all came together a little quicker. And now I have my own. I learned that from acting as many methods as you can study. When you start creating your own method, that's when you've mastered something. And so I'm creating my own method and I'm, I'm learning to master the artist stand up. And it's just helping me with everything else in my career. What a fascinating perspective that is, because one of the hard things for new stand-ups is getting comfortable in your own skin and finding your own voice, but you've clearly had different sorts of opportunities to do that over the years, ironically, I guess, from playing other people. Yes, that was a big thing, but sometimes playing other people can be a detriment. Mm. Like, it's really hard for great um, impressionists to turn into great comedians hmm. when they're outside of the impression they learn their voice and some people tr- transition very well you know I'm, I'm great friends with Jay Farrell who I think is a brilliant impressionist and I'm really proud of the the uh, way he is unstrapping from the impression to find his own perspective and point of view and and he's young and I'm I'm proud of that. And I'm like, yeah, that that's it. When you find your point of view and you got the impression, you're gonna be a monster. So I think for me, it's not just the uh, uh the impression um or the uh different characters, but I think it's just logging the hours on the stage and being relentless in your pursuit and learning all the disciplines when it comes to the thing that you say you love. Don't just love one thing. It's a Rubik's Cube. Learn all six sides. Yeah, and for you on the stand-up side, you're not only getting up there consistently, you're also churning over new material. Like I was listening to an interview that you did a couple months ago, and I think you just shot your most recent special. Is that correct, in the last month or so? Yeah, I just shot a special uh, in November, November uh, 11th. And now I have a thank you. And now I have a new special, not a new special, but I have a new hour that I'm working on that I did three weeks, two weeks after my special. I did the, I did a, a brand new hour. So now I have a, a completely different hour than the special I just did. I'm not waiting for it to release. Once I film it, I know it's dead material. And so for me, what I do is I start a brand new act. So by the time that material comes out in on Mother's Day, I will have a brand new strong hour and a half that I could tour with. And um, while I'm working on that, when I get that perfected, I put that to the side and I start working on the next hour. So once I film that hour, then I got the next hour already cooked and baked. Like I, my brother used to say I was crazy. My big brother, Keenan. And then I was speaking to him recently. And he said, you know, I used to think he was crazy. I said, I know. He said, but I realized something. You're just brilliant. And that warmed my heart. 
Damn. Because for years, I always tell them all these ambitions and all these things I wanted to do and all these things I wanted to be and all these things I wanted to achieve. And he used to think I was crazy. And then he sees me doing the work behind all the things that I say I want to do. And for him to actually use the word brilliant, I just feel found because I know I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's coming from somebody that you look up maybe as much as uh, anybody in this world. By the way, uh, people may not realize this, but you're, the special that you just shot for is all about the uh, dealing with the grief of the loss of your parents. So releasing it on Mother's Day, that's a, that's a, a, oh, Day. N- another layer there. So kudos on that. So Thank considering you. that it's the most recent grief. special and is it, on it, grief, it. you've already worked up a new hour. You said it took two to three weeks to, to feel good enough to, to be taking it to the stage. I mean, are you going to be... Working on that a little no. bit, I'm guessing, in Austin? Or are you feeling good about where it is right special. now? I did that special two or three weeks ago. Uh-huh. And I got a brand new hour now. It, exactly. So you already have a brand new hour. So you already feel good enough about a brand new hour to be rolling that out in Austin. No, no questions asked. Yeah, I think it's better than the hour I just shot. What's, what's this one on? Uh, it's Not- called Skittles. Skittles. And it's about my transition, dealing with my the transition of my child from a, a girl to to a boy, oh, and what wow. I went through. And it's um a loving, funny tale about a father that had to learn to unstrap from his ego, his masculinity, in order to live in vulnerability to love his child best way is, and the way they deserve to be loved. And it's for all the parents out there that's dealing with something like this. And it's not just about um, transitions, but it's about anything having to do with your child. To be a great parent, sometimes you have to be a kid again. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful. So what I'm doing is I give them, I'm doing stories. A lot of comedians, they do jokes. If I did jokes, it wouldn't be me. I do jokes, believe me, and I go hard. But I do jokes based on a story. And it has an elixir. And um, the elixir is not always just for the character, but it's for the audience. They got, I think, great, great comedians make you not just laugh, they make you think and they make you feel. And... Uh, I'm really just trying to, to to be truthful in a funny way. And um, I hope my truth affects people because it's therapy on a stage. When I get on stage, it's therapeutic for me. I'm healing myself. And there's a lot of people in the crowd that feels what I'm saying or deal, they're dealing with it. And people come up to me and like, that was beautiful. It's beyond, like it's a slow standing ovation. It's not a pop-up. It's a Look like, and it's just being truthful, being honest, and um, being vulnerable. And I think the greatest of artists put their heart and their tears on the stage or on the song, and that's what I I just try to do every night. And I, and it's crazy. I don't cry in therapy. I do therapy two times a week. I don't cry in therapy. I maybe cried in therapy one time in five years, but sometimes on that stage. I will cry three times in a weekend because that's my therapy. And it's crazy to 
that I can't be vulnerable with one person, but with a thousand people, I can be. Is that a big part of the appeal as to why you continue to find yourself deeper and deeper in stand-up comedy, Marlon? Is that it is, it's so beneficial for you through, in working through your problems in ways that even a therapist can't necessarily pull out of you? Every comedian has their own process. For me, I was just blessed to live truthfully in the given circumstance. And that's the actor in me. Mm. And it's also, it's just the artist in me. Every comedian has their own way of doing things. Every artist has their own way of doing things. I don't, I don't sketch, I just paint. I look at a stage and it's a blank canvas and I just go, I'm not gonna sketch this out. I'm not gonna write this down. I'm just gonna paint. This is what's in my head. I'm gonna put it out. Let's see what happens. And that's my process. And there's a lot of great comedians that have a different process. And that's what makes every comedian great. And I had to learn coming up in a household of other great comedians to learn your voice is really a very hard thing to do. I was intimidated to even try stand-up because I had five comedians before me. And when you do stand-up, you're pulling from your life. And I'm just like, well, they telling all the jokes that's in my household. What do I have to say? <laughs> and then you learn that your point of view is special. That's why you go to a comedy club and you'll see like a bunch of comedians doing po- po- political humor. They'll do sex jokes. They'll do relationships. But what makes it different and special is your unique perspective on the relationship and i grew up with that and so i think for me that that's what's helping to make me uh different he is actor and stand-up comedian marlon wayans performing that stand-up at cap city comedy club this weekend headlining shows friday saturday and sunday night go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets and more info coming up one more segment with marlon on the other side it's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one final segment with actor and comedian Marlon Wayans. He is honing that stand-up craft at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night, a show on Sunday as well. Go to CapCityComedy.com for info and tickets. Those tickets will sell out, so grab them while you can. So in thinking through all of your uh, your credits in film and TV over the years, like there's obviously a ton of funny stuff, but also uh, more serious roles that come to mind. I mean, I think Lady Killers is an underrated film for a variety of reasons, but first movie that pops into my head with you is Requiem for a Dream because, you know, obviously my friends and I were used to seeing, to, to laughing at the work that you were putting out in front of us prior to that. It was such a hard steering wheel pull into oncoming traffic in a way that it was... Such a good movie and and just an incredible performance by you as well. Was that your point in taking that role all these years ago? Well, for me, um, I didn't come into the game as a comedian. I was nurtured as an actor since I was three years old. As you know, I mean, I, I was in I'm not three. I was about in, in second grade. I got the lead role. <laughs> no, first grade. I played Casey at the bat. Hmm. Second grade, I did the lead role in Peter Pan. Fourth grade, they offered me the role of Oliver Twist, and I turned it down because 
I thought it was degrading for a black man to play it. So I played Mr. Bumble, Mr. Humble instead, or Mr. Wow. Bumble. And then I went to performing arts high school. And all we studied was the dramatic arts. So what's crazy about me is I'm theatrically and dramatically trained, but I just was born into a really funny family. Yeah. Well, I just have a unique skill set. It's just different, man. And, and 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 I think that's why it's taken me so long to peak and so long to I've never had a hot moment. I've never been hot. I've been famous for 30 years. I've never had a hot moment. I've never been the guy that gets the best scripts. I've never been one of those top 10 guys that get the best scripts with the best budgets, with the best directors. I've never been that guy. I never got that shot. I've been growing under a microscope since I entered the game at 17 years old. And I have so much more to deliver the world than just the art of stand-up. I have a bigger responsibility and a bigger task, and that's what I'm focused on, as well as building me. What is that bigger responsibility? A beautiful, big brand called The Wayans, and the world needs The Wayans, and The Wayans needs the world. Mm. We give timeless comedy. The world needs comedy. It's suffering right now because nobody's making fun of it. Nobody's uh, taking a out of it. Everybody thinks they're too scared to be really funny. And we have this big, beautiful brand that I just want to, I think it needs to be in everybody's homes at all times. My whole career has been based on great executives that had the balls to make ballsy decisions. Barry Diller did it with, with uh, In Living Color. Him and Peter Turner. Garth and Sear and Jamie Kellner did it with Wayne Bro Wayne's Brothers. The Weinsteins, terrible people. Hmm. Ballsy executives that said, we're going to put these movies out to a broad audience. This is just funny. Terrible people. Smart as executives to go make that decision. Joe Roth with white chicks and little man. There's been executives that make great decisions in spite of what the moral compass is dictating. They go instinctively, no, I'm betting the house on this. And every time they bet the house on the Wayans, we've always shown and proved because we're not comedians. We're joke scientists. I have 40 50 years, I was born into comedy. Yeah. So between me, Damon, Sean, Keenan, Kim, there's 250 years of comedy. Always been on the weigh-ins. We know what's funny. I know what's funny. Oh, no. I could talk about anything because I always talk about myself first. I throw me under the bus. Yep. When you throw me under the bus, I punch down on me. And what's funny is when you punch down on you, other people understand what you're saying. It's part of hitting all sides. Like your your recent stand-up special, you hit, it's all about the Chris Rock slap. I don't know how much people know about this, but you hit every character in that story, yourself included. I mean, it starts with the story about you. I mean, it's God loves me after all. And so that's yeah. part of the brilliance right there. And I was able to talk about everything. What's great is, you know, you know, a good joke is when you send up a certain sect of people and that those people that you're making fun of laugh the loudest. Yeah. That's why they can't cancel us for white chicks. Exactly. 
They've been trying. Social media has been trying. The bot's been trying. Is that right? Everybody's do you, do you been trying. Still hear from you people can't on that? Cancel us. Yes. You can't cancel us. You did whiteface. Shut up. You can't cancel <laughs> us for white chicks. You know why? You know who loves white chicks the most? White chicks. White chicks. Right. When we did Lemon Color, Men on Film was the first time we really embraced gay people into our living room. Mm-hmm. It's America. They were in our living room. And you know who loves Men on Film the most? Gay people. <laughs> we don't punch down. Yeah. We laughing with you. Right? We're all, this is inclusive. My brother taught me how to tell a joke. Don't tell a joke for a party of three. You tell a joke that makes the whole world laugh. And three people are sensitive and they walk out. Well, yeah, it's still a really good joke. So the way we tell jokes, it's our family recipe. And um, I'm going to continue to do that as best as I could. And when it came to Jada did a tour, Chris Rock did a tour. None of them said anything about my special. You know why? Because all of them, even Will, nothing. Why? Because I did it with love. I threw me under the bus as I threw them under the bus. And we was all under the bus together. And when we got up, the first people I put Band-Aids on was them and then myself. I did it with a heart. I did it with love. But I told the truth. And um, I think they, they're still my friends to this day because they know I did it with love. Yeah, the last time we talked, you ta- you discussed your stand-up comedy being like layers of an onion. You're doing that on more of a micro level now with that most recent special. And so kudos to you on that. Have you heard from any of the three of them after your special? You didn't hear from any of them on that. That's surprising. Which is a good thing. Okay. It was a bad thing. Jada's just did a whole book tour for three months. I would have been a topic of discussion. I wasn't. All right, so last question now, Marlon. You said the hour that you're going to be performing at Cap City Comedy Club is about uh, you as a parent coming to, it's about Skittles, but also as you a parent coming to accept uh, a trans child. Curious to get your take on this. What what do you think about uh, trans females participating in female sports? That's obviously been a uh, hot topic of discussion over the last couple of years now. I don't know. I'll explore it in my stand-up. I know that my okay. my child feels like it's fair. But I'm like, I don't know. I watch the WNBA. They don't dunk as much as the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of a cheat, <laughs> but, you know, I, I do support, you know, um, I do support inclusion yeah. and, um, and, and, but I, I, I do think just men have a more, um, just dunk a little harder. So I, I just like sports to be fair and then it makes sports competitive. If it's not competitive, you know, uh, I think it's um, takes the fun out of sport. Nobody wants to watch a team go seventy three and zero. I like to see people lose sometimes and go, "Oh wow, that was a great game." You want to feel like the tension, but I do support inclusion and equality, and I think there's a way to figure it out. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go sit down and think about this. 
And when I come to Cap City, I'm going to see if I can find some jokes about it. Can't wait to see. I'm going to be uh, checking out the new hour at the Sunday you, night show. You're going to be performing Friday through Sunday, uh, January 5th. And it may not be about that, Skittles, because I change it up a lot. I'm weird. I will be like, yeah, I'm doing Skittles, and then I'll just do a brand new hour in a relationship. So I, I'm just weird. So just come on out. Expect the unexpected, and just expect to have a good time. I'm lucky to live in Austin because I get to see a lot of talented stand-up comedians perform. I, I don't get to go see everybody, unfortunately, but I'm making it a point to go see your Sunday night show because I want to see where you Beautiful. are with that process right now. It is uh, really cool and fascinating to check out, and thank you for the time once again. He is uh, he's Marlon Wayans. Check him out. Cap City Comedy Club, January 5th through January 7th. That's a Friday through a Sunday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday. I like to sit in the VIP section. All the VIP shows for the earlier shows are sold out. These tickets will sell out by Friday, so go to CapCityComedy.com to snag some. Also, check them out online at Marlon Wayans on Instagram, and MarlonWayansOfficial.com is that website. Marlon, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, pausing breakfast for a few minutes to talk to me, man. Absolutely. Gang, gang. Appreciate you, bro. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much to everyone who joined me, not just today, but throughout the course of this week as well. It was a long week in a sense because I was in New Orleans at the start for that disappointing Longhorns loss to Washington. Still a great season for Texas football and a lot to build on as well heading into year one in the SEC. As far as those who participated on this show, do always appreciate the services of Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Marlon Wayans for joining me ahead of those headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club. Just played a replay over the last couple of segments. Steve Renazizi headlining at the Comedy Mothership this weekend. And, of course, Sam Paniatovich. First two segments tonight. Talk to you on the other side. That means Tuesday at 6 p.m. In the meantime, have a great weekend and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.